Hello and welcome to episode eight of the Epic Classroom Podcast. My name is Trevor Muir, and I've been a middle and high school teacher, as well as a teacher of future and current teachers, and I love a good story. And I love to explore ways to help students live out great stories and for educators to thrive in their own. That's what we talk about in this podcast. Whatever you teach or however you serve in schools, how can you lead a more impactful, dynamic, meaningful, and epic classroom? So in a past episode, I talked about a year where I may have smiled a little too much before Christmas, meaning I didn't set a very strong precedent at the beginning of the school year, and there was a lot of confusion about what my expectations for behavior in my classroom were. And if you want to hear more about that, go listen to the episode, Don't Smile Until Christmas. But today I want to talk about another side of that issue, the one involving the students in that class and a particular parent who made my life as a teacher are quite difficult. And if you're an educator of any kind, you might be able to relate to this story. So I once had a student named Chris who snuck into my classroom when no one was there and he super glued every single one of my drawers and cabinets shut. Super glue. We're not talking about glue sticks or Elmer's. In the middle of class, he and all of his friends thought it was hysterical when I pulled the handle off the cabinet as I tried to wrench it open. And obviously I didn't think this was very funny. But looking back, that probably was extremely funny, but not at the time. I mean, this kid, Chris, he used to hide food around my classroom so that it would rot and smell over time. Every so often, I'd find curdled chocolate milk hidden on a bookshelf or moldy bread behind a potted plant. Chris's favorite game was to see how many times he could disrupt my class before I would lose my temper. But for several months, I kept my cool when Chris would play flatulent sounds from his laptop or yell out obscenities when everyone was quiet. I mean, I would sometimes address Chris publicly or I'd meet him in the hallway to talk about his behavior and then he'd get back to work. He always agreed to do better and I always tried to give him the benefit of the doubt. But these corrections were a temporary fix and his improved behavior never lasted long. The student was slowly chipping away at my patience, but I was determined to find a way to engage him in my class and not have to turn up my discipline more than I had to. I mean, honestly, there were times when I could be a bit of a terror to my teachers when I was a kid. And I know for me that one of the things I needed was some time to mature. And so I wanted to do the same for Chris. Well, I once returned to my classroom after being sick for a day, ready to pick up where my classes left off. And I got to my desk in the morning, and on top of my papers was a note from the substitute who covered my class. Now, usually these subnotes have a summary from each class and often say nice things like, great group of kids, here's my number if you need a sub in the future. Well, this wasn't one of those notes. The note instead said this, in all capital letters. It said, this was the worst group of students I've ever seen. They made me cry. What the hell kind of teacher are you? Yikes. The sub didn't leave her phone number, so I'm guessing she didn't want an invite back to my classroom. Well, when I saw this note, I was immediately angry with my class and I was determined to get an explanation about what went on that day. So the first thing I did that morning was ask my students what happened the day before. 
and kids awkwardly sat silent and looked at each other until finally one kid spoke up and said that they acted kind of rowdy. Well, I said kind of rowdy doesn't usually lead to these types of notes from the substitute. What happened? Well, after doing some digging, I found out that Chris hid a remote-controlled noisemaker that produces flatulent sounds. I'll just say it. He hid a fart machine in the room, and, and any time it got quiet, he activated the machine. When the substitute would ask who's making the noise, everyone else would just laugh. And the more the sub became upset, the harder my students would laugh until eventually she snapped and wrote a note to me in all uppercase letters. And this was the day that my patience for Chris finally ended. I walked him right down to the front office myself and I wrote him a detention. I told him that his lack of respect for me and his classmates would no longer be tolerated and that he was not welcome back in my classroom until he could apologize to me and to the class and I even wanted him to apologize to that substitute. I mean it turns out we all have our breaking points and Chris finally found mine. Well that afternoon during my prep period I received a call from the front office that Chris's mother was on the phone and that she wanted to speak to me and I thought to myself excellent She's probably going to offer to march Chris down to my classroom today after school and apologize, just kind of like my mother would have done with me. So I answered the phone ready to offer grace and allow his mother to apologize. And instead I heard this, Mr. Muir, who do you think you are? Chris texted me and told me that he's not welcome back in your class and how you hate him. And for what, a silly prank? I am meeting with your boss tomorrow and moving Chris to another class because this is unacceptable. And then click. She just hung up on me. And I was dumbfounded. I mean, how could this person just hang up on her son's teacher? Why didn't she at least ask me why her son was being disciplined? Does she really believe that I hate her son and that I'm banning him from my class? Seriously, she hung up on me? I mean, I, if I thought I was angry after the fart machine incident, now I was really angry. And I felt like this encounter confirmed all of the stereotypes that modern parents carry, that they are petty, helicoptering, obstinate enablers who work against teachers, and they try to mow down every obstacle that stands in their way of their child. I mean, I think this is why the term lawnmower parent has gained so much popularity. And my anger was only amplified the next day when the parent demanded to my principal that I apologize to her for how I was treating her son and that I'd have to do it in person. Well, now my blood was boiling that whole day as I awaited that meeting. And then 20 minutes before Chris's mother arrived, my principal came into my classroom during the prep period and he said two things to me. One, which I loved hearing, and one which I just could not comprehend at first. Well, first he said to me, Trevor, this is bullcrap. You disciplined Chris exactly how you should have disciplined him. It's ridiculous this parent should think that you have to apologize to her. Well, that made me feel a little better, but then he dropped the bomb. He said, now you need to go apologize to her. Uh, what? <laughs> How could I seriously be expected to say sorry for doing the job that she was supposed to be doing at home? I wanted to say, I'm sorry for teaching your son some much needed respect. I wanted to tell her that maybe if Chris was disciplined at home, I wouldn't have to give him a detention. 
My principal allowed me to air out my frustrations, and then he imparted some wisdom that can only be gained after years of working with parents and students. He told me that this mom really loves her son. He said she cares more about him than anyone in the world and would do anything to make sure he is safe and succeeds. He also said this mom doesn't realize that I have the same intentions for him and that if I can make her realize this, if I can make her understand that I also want what's best for him, she could become an ally like no one else. I hadn't really thought about it this way before, but as a parent now, looking back at this, I know that he's right. As a dad of two kids in school, I want nothing but the best for my children and I'll do anything to make sure that they get the best. And so I met with Chris's mom and I started at our meeting by swallowing my pride and apologizing for anything I may have done to mishandle the situation. Instead of making a bunch of excuses or listing all of the events leading up to Chris's detention, I said I was sorry for the way that things transpired and that I was hoping she could help me find a way to get Chris back on track in my classroom. Well, immediately the tension was drained from the room. My humility caught this mother off guard and all of her anger and mistrust for me just seemingly evaporated. She visibly relaxed her clenched muscles because I think she was coming in prepared for a fight. And she said, thank you so much for that. Chris really does love your class and I'm glad you're still open to working with him. And that was the moment my principal's wisdom was confirmed. This mother didn't think I was a bad teacher she was worried that I was a teacher who had given up on her son. And as soon as she knew that I wasn't, that my intentions were actually the opposite of that, I want my students to succeed. I mean, we were able to have this great conversation. She opened up about the divorce that she was in the middle in and how Chris had been acting out a lot lately because of it. And with tears in her eyes, she shared about how she was kind of struggling with him at home as well. And we sat there and we came up with a plan and she left on a positive note. And the next day, Chris got to my classroom 30 minutes before school and he apologized to me. He said sorry for how he acted all year and he promised that he would do better. And I was shocked by his own humility and thanked him for his apology. And then later that day, I found out that Chris was grounded for a month and his mother made him march in and say sorry that morning. She had my back. Of course, I think parents can be overbearing sometimes. I mean, I've seen my fair share of helicopter and lawnmower parents, and I've definitely seen an uptick in this behavior the last 10 years. However, I think dismissing them with a label misses out on a huge opportunity. The fact is, parents can be overbearing because they want what's best for their kids, and they don't always believe teachers share the same sentiment. This isn't fair for teachers, by the way. I mean, I agree. And I think media and pop culture and politicians often do way too much to sow this distrust. I mean, teachers have enough on their plates that they shouldn't have to verbally express their devotion for their students and job to get respect and support. But I really do believe this is at the heart of overbearing behavior. And when we can make it clear to parents that we have their kids' best interest at heart and that doing so is why we got into the profession in the first place, 
parents will begin to really do what's best for their kids, which is supporting their teachers. And supporting doesn't mean agreeing with teachers all the time, but instead working to get on the same page, providing resources, volunteer hours, reinforcement for expectations at home, and an encouragement. I mean, this is what support is. And this is what happened with Chris. Since my meeting with his mom, she became my number one advocate. Not only did she support every further discipline that I had with Chris, and there were some more, but she was always the first to respond when I asked for parent volunteers. She went to bat for me with other parents, sent encouraging emails, and we never had a negative incident again. Chris's mom became an ally. She was the opposite of an enemy. And this is an attitude, a mindset we have to develop towards parents. When they know that you care about their kid, they will go to the ends of the earth to support you. Even if that means supporting their child, getting another detention for bringing in the fart machine again, which Chris did, by the way, wasn't happy about that. Now, I do want to say sometimes it's hard to make headway with your students' parents. That is one of the biggest challenges for all educators. And I want to make sure that I don't sugarcoat the difficulty of it. It's one thing to have an understanding for why parents can sometimes be overbearing. But that understanding can only go so far if we don't communicate with them and help them see our best intentions. And so I want to suggest a few ways to make those connections a little bit easier. And the first one is to open the doors to your classroom more and invite parents to be involved. Honestly, I think sometimes parents just have no idea what actually happens in school. If their kids are not going home and sharing the details of what they're working on and learning, parents are left to guess. But if we can invite parents into the classroom, they can see firsthand. And there's a number of ways to do this. If you teach elementary, could you have one parent a week come in and read to your students? I've done this with my own kids' classroom, and not only did it mean the world to my children, I got to see their classmates in the amazing classroom space. And I got to see my kids' teacher and, and how she conducts her class and how much her students love her. But also, what if you periodically had opportunities to showcase your students' work? If there's a unit where they're doing a bunch of artwork, could you set up an art gallery and invite parents to come to school and see what your students created? Or maybe your students are doing a big project, and instead of having them just present to each other in class, you hold a presentation open to the public where parents can come and be a part of the professional audience. And not only does this heighten the authenticity of the project by having a real-world audience for students to present to, it's allowing parents to see what kind of work your students are getting into. How are they creating and collaborating and problem solving and learning to present? It showcases what they're doing in class and parents want to see all of the cool things that their kids are doing in school. It's illuminating. It's a win-win for everyone. And it's an opportunity for parents to see how you have intentions for their kids to succeed and that you are expertly designing experiences for them to do that. And on top of inviting parents in, I think there's also a lot of value in openly asking parents for help. Because when parents help you out, that's investment on their part. That produces buy-in. When I've looked for guest speakers in the past, I always start by emailing my students' parents first, asking if they know anyone who could speak to my class about a certain subject. And I've found that parents often jump at the opportunity to help in this way. This builds relationships. And again, 
it leads to more buy-in in my students' parents, which often leads to less scrutiny and more support. I once had an idea for a community garden at our school, and one of the crucial supplies I needed for the particular garden design was a huge 500-gallon water tank. And I wasn't sure where I was going to get it, and I certainly didn't have the budget for it to buy it myself. So I emailed parents, thinking I was throwing up a Hail Mary, but it was worth a shot. Well, the next day, one of my students' dads pulled up with a trailer, and on the back of it was a 500-gallon water tank. It was a material that he had lying around at his work, and not only was he able to help out my class and help me, I now had a parent who was excited about this big project my students were embarking on. I now had an ally for my class. Now, aside from creating an invitation for parents to get involved, there's also just so much value in regularly having communications with parents. I'm going to do a whole episode on this at some point soon, but I'll say now that there is tremendous power in making positive phone calls home. I can't tell you how many times I've called a parent and a mother answers by saying, oh no, what did he do this time? And then I respond, oh no, I just wanted to tell you about some really cool thing he said in class today. Or, how proud I was of him for volunteering to share for the first time, or how great I thought her poem was, or whatever. And parents appreciate this so much, because remember, their kids are the most important thing in the world to them. So when they receive affirmation about the child that they've raised, it means so much. And those gestures, the investment we make to make those positive phone calls home or send those positive emails, again, build relationships with parents and form strong allies. So maybe develop a discipline of regularly calling your students' parents or having a weekly newsletter that highlights what they're doing in your class. I can't speak for every parent in the world, but when I receive kind notes from my kids' teachers, it absolutely makes my day, it makes my week, and it makes me love their teachers even more. But the fuel to make these phone calls and send these communications and invite parents to be a part of the work going on in your classroom is this mindset that parents can be allies. I know there is so much on the internet lambasting parents and painting them as overbearing helicopters who are just out to make your life difficult. And believe me, there is definitely justification for some of that. But what I've found over and over is that the more I can assume best intentions and make sure that every student's parent knows that I want their kids to succeed, the more parents support the work I'm doing in the classroom. And I think we'd all agree, teachers and educators can use more support. Thanks for listening to the show today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I am honored that you would take the time to listen. Please leave me a review and let me know what you think. If you want to check out my other work, you can go to my website at trevormuir.com where I post videos and my blog and ways for you to get in touch with me. My name is Trevor Muir and this has been the Epic Classroom Podcast. Thanks for what you are doing to make learning into an unforgettable story for your students and for discovering new ways to make learning epic. See you next time.